Generations to Hunt podcast, where the goal is to learn together and further the culture of hunting. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Generation Hunt Podcast. Today, we bring back a pretty special guest uh, in Spencer Bracken from Public Land Prowlers. Spencer, how's everything going? It's going really good, man. Uh, busy, busy with a lot of projects right now, but uh, keeping one foot in front of the other. And Yeah, it's getting closer. I mean, Joe, how's everything going for you over there? I mean, it's going good. I mean, where are we less than two weeks we're in the 10-day forecast Ooh. oh i seen that today and i got excited even I though it wasn't you guys but i got a three-day forecast <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah so spencer yeah you're uh you're leaving for ohio what, friday friday morning friday morning so what are your plans down there i mean i know i seen there's a couple videos of you guys pre-scouting and uh you know how did all that go and i mean what are your plans for early season ohio so I don't know if you guys seen or not, but EHD hit Southern Ohio in the last couple of weeks really, really, really bad. Like I'm a part of a group called Field by the Outdoors with Christopher Leppert, and um, I met all those guys down at the Hunter Expo, the Mobile Hunter Expo, and uh, a bit closer to you, Mike. Okay, he's being <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, that's the part good. I got used to after a while because I used to do. Do this I got to do this? No. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Am I good? Yep. Okay. So you're going to restart it? No, no. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> All right. Um, so I was going to go to Southern Ohio, long story short. And um, with the EHD that hit, I just, one, that scares me. Two, the hill country. I'm not, I'm no, yeah. by no means a hill specialist. So like yeah. hunting in the hills to me is like hunting on Mars. Like I know bucks like to bet on the military crest and the point of hills. I know valleys your thermals are going to pull to at night. Like I know, I know leeward sides of hills, all this good stuff to know, but I'm not nearly as confident with putting it together when I'm in the situation. So um, we found some other ground that's river bottom, some marsh, um, and really more flat terrain for Ohio and um it's more like what we're used to here in michigan so we're gonna i have two cameras soaking currently in southern ohio and i'm not even going down there because they're 25 dollars cameras i'm not really too worried about them well and southern ohio already has a lower deer density Correct. and then you add in getting smashed by well, ehd so and go. it's gonna be a rough time i mean i've hunted southern ohio and yeah your your low deer density ehd and then learning i guess in my opinion a completely different way to try and hunt is not a recipe for success when you're paying spending a couple hundred bucks in tags and then you know another couple hundred in gas and in and, and lodging so yeah i would i would agree with the idea of probably going somewhere else to give you a little bit higher success for sure yeah so we're gonna stick to the northern half of the state it's only 50 minute different drive which is so weird to me but um yeah, I kind of put together, like you said, low deer density already, hills, EHD, and then just com combined everything. And I've talked myself right into going north. So, um, Joe, am I still not talking loud enough? No, you're great. You're great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Usually I feel like I'm super loud. No, you're, All right. you're so, beautiful and talking perfect. Awesome. That's what I go for every day. <laughs> so, um, but... Yeah, so we're going to go down Friday morning, get there around noon, scout all day Friday. And I've pretty much got like a, uh, oh, we're going to talk about it already. So I've got a box that I want to walk and check for sign and make a decision from there for our first morning hunt. But our first walk will be three and a half miles. Oof. Wow. But it's flat. It's pretty flat. It's We were wearing our hip boots. We got across a couple rivers. We're going to get into some water. But... Like, me and my dad are both very determined to hunt down a deer and kill him. So, when you get there, first day, are you are you going to do the thing, scout and hunt, or are you just going to scout? So, Friday season won't even be open. Oh, okay. So, I'm going Friday. I'll get there around noon, strap the hip boots on, and start walking. And basically, there's three different sections that I'm really interested in. 
and I can park in the parking lot and walk a whole section and check every spot in that section and then go to the next parking lot, walk that section, check every spot in that section. I hate doing it because of scent, but I'm going to try and stay on just the outskirts to where if I go another 50 yards farther, I can be in the goodness, but I can still see from the outside in sign leading into there. So, so what kind of sign are you going to be looking at when you're scouting that way, as opposed to really pushing up into that and having trail cameras soaked and all that good stuff. Um, so one thing I haven't focused on as much in prior years that I'm focusing on this year is track size. Um, really paying attention to the tracks instead of just looking at a creek bank and like, oh my gosh, look at all the tracks crossing. Is that doe traffic or is there a big buck track in that mix? Um, and if there is, trying to backtrack him maybe 100, 200 yards and seeing if, is there any bedding that way? Is that where he's coming from? Um, and then another thing, obviously, like I'm already finding rubs in Michigan. Like I've found six or seven, I think, and they're nothing huge. But if, if I see a rub next to a field, I'm not going to pay attention to it because it's probably nighttime activity. But if I'm somewhere in a vicinity of bedding or somewhere that I feel like a buck could be eating in a summertime pattern and there's multiple rubs and like, you know, tops been over on bushes and stuff like that, I'm going to pay attention to that. And then, um, if there's, I mean, I'm going to hunt just like I would October 1 in Michigan. Acorns, scrapes, rubs, big tracks. I mean, and transitions. I'm going to try and focus on transitions for my first morning hunt so that I can see multiple different habitat changes. That's one spot I've got. I counted seven different habitat changes. So the property to the north is private, and I'll be 50 yards from his border. It's all got logged out, and it's almost like a creek um hardwoods it's not a swamp but it's got a lot of hardwoods in it and then there's a bean field a couple hundred yards to the east and then there's a transition between me and that bean field it looks like an overgrown crp field and then there's a a marsh over here so there's like a bunch of different transitions coming together and i can literally pinch all the deer going through one corner if they head anywhere towards the river bottom to bed so i'm hoping that i can at least put eyes on something and make a move from there but it's going to be a mostly an observation okay. sit uh on let's backtrack to the, the track that you're gonna so you identify a track what are you i mean obviously probably length and all that i mean you're looking at the dew claw yeah I mean, oh yeah absolutely. i mean how, how are you describing this is a buck i want to go pursue or are you just trying to locate a bed in general so i'm not going to sit here and act like i see a track and i'm like i know that's a big buck i know that i can kill that deer i'm going to go backtrack him and kill him but what it does is I'm looking at dew claws. I'm looking at four finger wide, five finger wide tracks. If I can put my hand down next to it and it's as big as my hand, I know it's a big deer. Um, you really gotta be careful in the mud because the does will sink their hooves in and make it look like a buck track. But if I can follow that up on the bank, cause I'm, my plan is to walk the river and look at the bank for tracks and try to find a big track. And if I find a bit, just like Alaskan hunting, right? Like, yeah. I mean, they go or wherever you, you, Montana, right? I'm sure you guys probably walk streams looking for tracks and then backtrack them. Right. Um, that's the same thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to look for big four or five finger wide tracks. And um, if I can get up on the bank and in a little bit harder dirt and see them big tracks still coming from a direction, try to figure out where he's coming from. Is this a nighttime track? He came through here in the middle of the night or is there some bedding close to here? that he could be calling home right now and he's coming from there headed somewhere. So, um, but one other thing I wanted to tell you guys about was, uh, this box theory that I'm going to use in Michigan this year. Um, so you hear a lot of people say, think outside of the box, think outside of the box. Um, when they're hunting, you know, do what other people don't. So this is just what's came to mind for me with, uh, this whole thing so you got so much pressure on public obviously um everybody just tries to get away from people they just kind of disperse and go out all different directions everybody's trying to go deeper than the next guy or deeper than the next guy or right next to the road just trying to find a little pocket in the area that nobody's hunting well what i'm doing this year is i'm using everybody's pressure around me and i'm hunting inside of that box so you got guys coming in from the north, you got guys coming in from the west, you got guys coming in from the south, you got guys coming from the east, whatever. I'm determining where the parking lots are and where everybody else has got walking trails in or wherever the deer would push to, and I'm putting myself in the center of it. 
and it's been really hard to figure out where this perfect box is because you don't know exactly that everybody's going to end at the same point but pushing the deer to an area is definitely a thing and it's worked incredibly well during trail camera season so far and i had the same deer surprisingly in velvet that i do hard horn now and they're daylighting consistently day after day so is your strategy going to change as far as <clears throat> the times in which you get in and the times in which you leave uh, in the morning or afternoon hunts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll be getting in the woods earlier, 100%, because I want to beat everybody to the, not only to the spot. I'm not so much worried about the spot, but what I'm worried about is them pushing deer, and I want my area to be calm and quiet before any deer enter the area and no flashlights, no nothing, be set up and ready when they're pushing those deer into that box. And then in the afternoon, like so, in the morning, are you going to sit later and kind of let them push them back? Correct. Yep. If there's a deer maybe 100 yards from me and somebody's 200 yards from me and they get up and walk out and bump that deer, there's a good chance they could bump that deer to me. Um, secondly, you asked about the afternoon. I will be getting in earlier this year. I've seen too many big bucks getting killed between one and two o'clock in Michigan. Even, um, people I know having sightings in one, two o'clock. And to be completely honest, I'm really considering doing an all day sit October one. Yeah. I don't know. October one would be hard for me just because of the, the amount of daylight time, but I can tell you, I mean, like a million other people that, October 31st, November 1st, November 14th, it's hard to leave a tree stand because, I mean, I've shot a couple bucks between that 10 and 2 time frame in that same season. So, for yeah. me, it's hard. It's really hard at that 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 time of the year to, to leave my stand. Um, it's a lot easier, I guess, early season for me just because sitting in a tree stand for 10 hours is, is not... I mean, it can be exciting, but it's it's a long day. Sure, it is. a long day. I, my thing is just uh, I'm really worried about bumping these deer out of their bedding leaving because th they're bedding in a, in a big buck bedding area. It's like 10 acres. So one day they're bedding here, one day they're bedding there, one day they're bedding here. I haven't narrowed down exactly which bed they're using on which day. All I know is that they're coming out of the bedding area and crossing my trail camera and leaving the bedding area, crossing my trail camera. So they're coming and going and I'm getting them both directions about 7.50 at night, 7.50 in the morning, right in there, or 8.10, they're coming right in that window. It's been every day the last three days now. So um, do, you, do you think from the opening day pressure, it's gonna switch up the routine? That's why you think the all day sit is gonna be, you get the early push in the morning from all the opening then you get that 10 o'clock where people are pulling out and then they're like one two o'clock in the afternoon they think they're safe because they pulled out and they're trying to beat the sunset that some of it has to do with that why i want to do the all day set but i don't want to go in put my stand up pull my set back down walk out come back in put my set up like i know that that buck's there right now like I guarantee you I could walk in there right now and I would bump him out if I was to not take a smart route. I know he's there. He's calling at home. It's literally every day he's there. So two of them, there's a big eight point and a big 10 point. And um, I just think that with not only my pressure, other people's pressure around is going to change that deer's pattern. October one, October two, one of those days is gonna have enough of it and he's gonna- He's gonna get out of there. Yeah. Either that or he's just going to start moving less distance from his bed. I don't I don't really believe that deer get out of there um, unless there's a ton of pressure right on home, like their bed. Um, I just think that they start moving less and less distances from their bed at, at dark. So that's what I call their staging area. Um, I've My dad's buck last year that he shot, my dad was within 70 yards of that deer bed and set up. Well, it and, moved. 15 yards in about i don't know 45 half hour, minutes like 45 it, did, minutes. it didn't move because he was in like his staging so area it was october forever. 16th he was feeling the pressure from people walking around him and he knew that he had to stay in that area until dark and that's why he was literally and that's what i when you say get out of there that's what i i've just seen it yeah. now it's like that deer was in his safe haven is what that was so are you noticing 
with your new strategy, less people activity on your cameras. Because I know, yes. like last year when we talked, you had uh, you had a pretty big community scrape, um, not too far off of a trail or from a parking lot, if I remember. And about September, you really started to see people, and then come October, all those bucks that you had kind of went away. You know, actually, that community scrape was really, really deep. Um, it was 1700 yards from a parking lot in a spot that I would have never thought that there was ever anybody. There was no tree stands. There was no flagging tape. There was, it was tough to get to. Maybe they knew a better route than I did, but the only way I could think in there was pretty rugged and I was shocked to see the amount of people. But yes, uh, this year I had one coon hunter on a camera after dark and I've had one guy walking through. I don't even know what he was doing. He didn't look like a hunter. It was just that's pretty good for public land in Michigan. And I have (laughs) right now. I think we have fourteen reveals out. Wow, that's real good for public land. We've had two pictures of guys this year, and most of our cameras are like five hundred yards from parking lots. Yeah, (laughs) but I have a couple spots that are ridiculously deep. Do you you think from the you know I don't out or it's like the trend? Public land's hot. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So like people are now ditching the conventional methods of hunting now you're you're saying that everybody's doing mobile hunting mobile and everybody's going in with boats and all this other stuff. do you think that's like spreading people out more and that's why you're not seeing the no. pressure or do you think it's just the i think it's concentrating people i think every guy that sees a spot on a map is like that's where i want to go and i'll get there however i got to get there Okay. And I think I really do. It's it's crazy to me that that's how it's trended yeah. because you would think that the deeper people go, the more people use different access ways and stuff like that, they'd be dispersed. And it seems like everybody's kind of picking out these hot spots on maps and going there. And that's what that's what the people. overlooked stuff is to me. It's not somewhere that nobody's willing to get to as an overlooked i'm talking overlooked as in it doesn't look good on a map at all and you go in and scout it and it's really good or it's right next to a parking lot and nobody's going in there obviously that's overlooked but a lot of people refer to overlooked as like i'm not willing to even go there i'm not even going to consider that like that's what a lot of guys that i talk to consider overlooked um are you implying the same strategy to ohio or are you kind of going to a more conventional method in Ohio? Um, in Ohio, I'm going to use a more conventional hunt them down tactic because I don't know the pressure there. I haven't hunted that public ever before. I don't know exactly people's where I've seen stands or where I haven't seen stands. And I honestly, this year, so for Michigan... I'm back hunting a public now that I started on my first year and wiped off the list my second year and never touched. And I'm back there again because I realized to use people's pressure to my advantage rather than just saying this place is over hunted. I'm not going to see anything. Um, the cameras have been off the charts in there and I have probably nine cameras in that one public and, um, it's, Every single one of the cameras has had a big deer on it already. Are you expecting a decent amount of... I mean, what are your expectations for pressure in Ohio compared to what you kind of deal with here? I've been playing that mind game with myself the last couple of days. And honestly, some of the pins that I dropped, I'm like, I don't know. It could get pressure. It could not. I don't I don't really know. Um, I'm hoping it's not as bad as Michigan. But I posted on a couple of forums just asking what the pressure is like, and people have said that there is pressure. So there's definitely pressure. I, I only laugh because um, when I went to Kansas and when I've gone to Ohio, I've, I've done the same thing, you know, or I've, I've just kind of sat back and, and you get, man, there's everything gets pressured so hard here, so hard here, so hard here. And I can tell you, you know, I, I was in the southern part of Ohio, but even when I went to Kansas, it was the same thing. And their definition of pressure, of pressure is, is different a than whole ours. lot different than ours. Sure, and the other thing is, is I tell people that it's pressured too, just so they don't go there. Right. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I want you to think it's pressured. I'm, we're public land hunters. We're like as bad as I want you to shoot a buck, and I want you to shoot a buck. I, I still have to fend for myself, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
I mean, I'm not going to tell you my best spots and I'm not going to, you know, it's just, well, it's the game. I think a lot now is too, is a lot of people only get a week of vacation. Mm-hmm. Some people are in there, so they're going to choose their time more desirable in their eyes. The, the rut. You sure. Know what I mean, so yep. the last week of October, I think early archery is going to be the ticket. Yeah. And I've never killed a buck in early October, nor heh, knock on wood. There's wood around here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I can do it in the last weekend of September because I've never even hunted the last weekend of September. The earliest I hunted was middle of September in Wisconsin, and it was hotter than a hoochie-coochie. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was I'm hoping bad. it cools down here. Everything says it's well. It's, uh, we got a cold front coming in this yeah. weekend. It's supposed to be a low of 50s in the mid-50s, and like a, the hottest day is 70. So well, and the other thing about telling people about your spots, you know, and and I dealt with this in Kansas. I have a buddy; he went down there, and uh, at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to go do all of your work, and then you go to my spots and blow it up. My buddy had kind of explained that he'd gone to Kansas, you know, back when it was a little bit easier to get drawn, and he'd take his buddies down there and this or that, and the next thing you know, like he's he's out three, four, you know, five spots because he's taking his buddies there, yep. and now they've overtaken that. So I definitely see from that aspect on Facebook, like I'm not sharing my spots with you, you know, and even, you know, I don't hunt public land, so I don't deal with it a ton, but You're even, gonna. you know, like with... You're gonna someday. With, with going to Kansas and going to Ohio, like I'm a little bit more you know, coy on what information I give out, especially after my Kansas hunt, right? Like, I mean, that's pretty good buck. You, oh, yeah. You got a lot of, I got a lot of questions, you know, even from people on Facebook, man, I got tons of messages. You know, I just posted the buck on there and they wanted to know what unit, you right. know, this or that. And, you like, know, I, I, I'm going there next year. Yeah, like, <laughs> why would I tell you? Know, you? I mean, so I... I will share information about how I shot a deer. Sure, me too. These are the tactics I used. Um, and I'll even, you know, you know, in Kansas, everything's on units. I don't have an issue telling you the unit because there's 47 parcels of public right there, you know. So, but I'm not going to blatantly be like, this is where I hunted. Like, right. Or, you know, even like, I might not even, I, I'll generally won't even give the county no, because of that, that, that reason right there. There's usually only one public per county. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had friends of the past that wanted, you know, wanted me to hunt down a deer that they found. And I'm like, no, bro, I'm not good with being spoon fed is what I referred to it as. And I think they honestly took offense to it. And it's not that I'm too good or too prideful to not go shoot a deer that you found, but that's not that's not a part of the hunt for me. A part of the hunt is putting in the work and figuring this deer out and outsmarting this deer and finding this deer and killing this deer. That's I don't like the idea of I have no problem telling people where to go. I do it for a ton of people, but I just personally don't like the idea of spoon feeding spoon feeding myself um, as far as taking from my friends or if they've put in work to find a deer, I don't like being the guy that goes in there and pressures it. Just like you said, cause that spot's burned now. Yeah. yeah. So especially on public, like well, them deer don't, them deer are, you're hunting completely different than you are on public or private. So on private, you're hunting field edges, hoping to catch this deer coming to his primary food source or catch him cruising the edge of a crop line or, or something like, or hunting an acorn flat in the middle of a chunk of woods or something like that. But it's very rare on private, unless you have a bunch of it, that you're hunting his bedding area, like set up in this marsh. I know this deer's bedded in here. He's traveling 600 yards to get to this crop field by dark. Right. That's everyone's it's, sanctuary. Like we don't even go in there. Like don't even look in that direction. Right. right. You know, like you're at best, you're going to hunt maybe on the edges of it. Right. But on public, you're in forced it. to go into you it because to. everyone else is going to be doing, you know, that right there. Like They're sitting, sitting on the edges. Yeah. Or like you said earlier, those deer are so pressured they're not going to leave that until it gets dark. Exactly. So got to put yourself in the game. But yeah, I, I really like this whole box method that me and my dad have been doing this year. It's kind of, you know, like I said earlier, you think that this public's no good because it's got all this pressure and all this pressure. Well, after a while you learn where everybody goes. So we thought, I don't know why, but it clicked with me and I'm like, why don't we just get in the middle of that? And let everybody push them deer around back to wherever the safest place in the middle is. And it's worked 
incredibly so far. I hope to God that it continues to. And I know after October 2nd or October 3rd, those deer are going to be feeling a lot of pressure and I'm going to have to push in even harder. But um, as far as being in the game right now, our season's looking really good as far as the cameras say. So how are you hunting the hunters in a sense? Like you, how you saying, okay, this spot looks really good on a map and there, or you physically see? No, I physically know the public. Okay. So I've walked this. I've, been around here i seen a stand here i seen a here stand here i know there's parking lots here here and here there's a big walking trail that goes all the way through the woods from one parking lot to another here guys are definitely hunting off of that this is all water so there can't be any guys in the water so that takes away that section um and i know there's a parking lot over here so there's probably gonna be guys in the vicinity over here but here's a pretty big section with no parking lot let's park on the side of the road and walk in there and try to get between all this and you know what i'm saying yeah and, yep so what we've done this year is figured out where all those parking lots are or where the pressure is going to be coming in where the the trail the walking trails are and try to find a swamp or a bedding area that from e-scouting looks like a bedding area and go in there and check and see if it is and when you get in there if it is we put a camera up and we're like all right this is pretty much the center hub the closest we can get to the center of all the pressure and it's worked out well we've put cameras in those swamps or bedding areas that we thought would be the center of that box and the deer are there i mean if it changes it's gonna suck but i don't think it is i think we're in the game i think that i mean like i'm we've got probably five bucks over 120 inches on camera right now in public in michigan that's pretty good <laughs> yeah i don't even have that on private that's what i'm saying michigan, like you know, it's so. they're hard horn too it's yeah. not like and they're on a pattern like the patterns are consistent so that tells me that mm. our first week of season should be pretty promising as long as nothing changes so i guess that the the change there so do you think you'll change the way you hunt come november like do you or you do you think you'll stick to that that inside the box strategy come november I'm going to stick to the inside the box strategy come November, but I will also dip hunts into areas that I know are historically good. Okay. Um, areas that I've hunted in the rut before that I've produced, I've seen deer or, or harvested. Um, so the inside the box thing for the rut, I won't be hunting right inside the buck bedding area anymore. I'll be hunting where the does are, wherever the most doe traffic is going to be. I'm going to put, that's pretty much my rut approach this year is from the scouting that we've done inside this box, you learn where the does are, you learn where the bucks are. And we've got cameras that are getting tons of pictures of does. So we're like, all right, the bucks must be on the other end or in a different, little different micro marsh or something like that. So, um, we're going to hunt the doe bedding come November and stick to the buck bedding for the earlier part of the season. But like I said, our bucks have been consistent, so I'm really excited. I've never done this strategy. It's all new to me. Normally, I just pick a marsh on a map, go to it, scout it. If it looks good, yeah, there's a bunch of historical buck sign in here. All right, you know, where's he bedding? Where can he see? Where's the best way to come into? Where's the best place to hunt it? And kind of send it. Like, honestly, that's how it's been for me is find good buck bedding, find good sign, determine where he can see, try to find a kill tree that he can't see and that I think I can access clean and hope that he's there when I'm there. All right. So what would your contingency plan, let's just say everything fails or or this is to another person, they're trying to do a similar method or their own method and it fails. What do you think a good contingency plan is? Is leave the area or just... As far as... If they're not seeing anything, they're not seeing nothing or the pressure's too hard on their area. I know them are two different things. So let, right. let's just say they're not seeing what they want to see. Go find them. They're there. Okay. They were there. They're going to be there. So just move. You got to find them. Yeah, okay. Go walk, go blow up a bedding area and then give it three days and come back. Um, go find the deer are there. They, they were there all summer. You know, they were there going into the fall, going into opening day. If they're there that long, you're probably not seeing them because you're not close enough to the bedding area. You know, you're in the wrong spot if you're not daylighting 
seeing deer. So what do you do if you get there and the people are, I guess, maybe in different areas than you're expecting or in your area already? What, what, like, what is the plan going forward with that? Back out and go to another spot. That's another reason why I plan to go in early. But I don't expect any more pressure this year than I have any other year because now I'm playing my cards off of where I know people are, where I've seen people hunt before, where I see people parked, where I see people walk. And I've walked all those areas and figured out where a lot of the stands are. And the areas that I'm in, I also check for, because as popular as mobile hunting is now, there's still a ton of people that hunt traditional tree stands or just leave lock-ons in the public. Like you walk around the public, there's stands everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's like, illegal. But <laughs> I mean, I like when they do that because then I know where they are. But you still, nine times out of 10 in a lot of my areas, you would see if somebody was pruning a tree, prepping a tree, or if there's, you know, marks on the trees. Because the kill trees that I'm hunting, that I'm concerned about, are deep enough into the stuff that it's probably the only one or only three trees there that you can hunt and kill the deer that I'm trying to kill. So, um, I had obviously every spot's different. I have spots that are just pinch points coming between a marsh that the deer are eating the acorns on right now. And it's literally a 15 yard strip of woods. There's a marsh and a marsh and it funnels down like a cone. And there's a, it's literally an old human trail is the crazy thing, but it's way back. And, um, the deer are pinching through that eating white oaks daylighting every day. So, yeah, I just wasn't sure if maybe you would try to pinpoint where the people were from where you were at and then just kind of adjust kind of where you were sitting. No, cause I'm not, I'm not going to put myself out of the game to adjust to them. Okay. So if I adjust to them, then I'm not where I wanted to be originally. Right. Right. So if there's people on that spot, that are within, you know, I think harmful distance to that spot. I'm not going to hunt it that same night. If if I see people in an area, I'm pretty much calling it off the map. I'm going to delete the pin, move on. That's honestly what I do with pressure. So let's just say you're e-scouting for Ohio or unknown public land. What's three things you're looking for on the map? I'm, is it elevation, food, nope. water? What, nope. what, what, um bedding bedding overgrown crp um marshes that don't look super wet but may have a little bit of wetness to them but have a dry side um oxbows and rivers um and pressure i mean where is this far enough away from people that i think that there's going to be nobody there or is this an area that may be overlooked that i need to look at when i get there that's pretty close to the parking that has all the great habitat features that you're looking for for me i like overgrown crp that's my favorite thing to hunt i even though i love marsh bottoms i love marsh thickets autumn olive thickets red osier dogwood thickets whatever you want to call it that we have in michigan we have all of them my favorite thing to hunt is an overgrown crp field with a lot of bushes and stuff like that um cedar bushes like thorn bushes stuff like that because i am like as much as i'm hunting the buck I'm also still deer hunting, so I'm going to hunt where I feel the deer are. I mean, granted, there's doe bedding and buck bedding, but sometimes they're in the same spot. Sometimes, well, how many times does a buck follow a doe out, you know? Yeah. Like, even outside the rut. I mean, everybody's like, oh, there's a there's going to be a buck behind her in the rut. Well, yeah, obviously, most of the time that's going to happen, but deer are social animals just like dogs, in my opinion, and one dog gets up to leave the other dog's probably going to get up and follow it and some of the mature bucks they use them i, I don't want to say decoys basically they could go hey get up and go check go, see if there's go any up, pressure go, yeah they go first that doe starts blowing he's like, okay i'm not going exactly that's what i'm saying is if if i'm in there's situational there's so many different situations that i hunt where I'm like, all right, I'm in the buck bedding area. I know there's multiple bucks that use this 10-acre piece. I'm hoping one of them gets up and comes my way. I don't hunt specific beds, and I've told you guys that before. It's so hard, and it's just, I'm a percentage guy. The percentages of you nailing down that buck in the exact moon phase, exact wind direction, and exact timing that he's there 
is such a minimal thing where I would rather hunt a buck betting area where I think three or four bucks are betting and I got a chance at three or four different bucks. And out of state, I'm just trying to get into deer. I mean, yeah. that that's the social the social dog theory that I just used. If I can get on some does with it, that are moving around comfortably, I feel like the bucks can't be far. So that's my approach. Um, but three things, sorry, I got off track. Three things that I'm looking for in a, in a non-resident hunt or just going into a new piece that I've never hunted is bedding. First and foremost, I'm looking for some type of overgrown or marshy area that's going to hold bedding. Um, second thing is oxbows and rivers and rivers so that I can walk them or kayak them and look for sign along the banks, look for big tracks. And, um, the third thing would be food. Like where is their destination or are these deer or would these deer be specifically eating acorns because they're so far into the timber that a food source is irrelevant at this point. Right. One of the spots that I have in Ohio, it's an oxbow. It's like, 23 or 2400 yards from the parking lot and at that point a food source is irrelevant it's going to be acorns nine times out of ten right i mean they'll get to those crop fields but it'll be two three o'clock in the morning before they get there so um that spot's going to be i'm going to look for oaks i'm hoping that it's not just an oak tree every tree because those areas are really hard to hunt southern ohio yeah, yeah. exactly That's what you can't everybody's like find the acorns i'm like they're everywhere <laughs> where are the deer i got 20 acres of uh, mature oak trees what are you talking yeah about? Like, exactly. there's nothing i can do here no um do you plan on going back to ohio in november mm-hmm. yeah yes sir so my dad's gonna film me this trip he's strictly gonna film and i'm hoping that i'll be honest with you guys probably 100 inch deer walks by and i'm gonna shoot it just for the footage sake i'd say you have a good chance i mean so my experience <clears throat> is more again from southern ohio and i didn't see many deer but you know i mean i shot a 120 off of public land there um you know who i went down with and he shot some absolute studs oh yeah that public land down there you know so i mean uh ultimately it's different um i mean i'm sure you know you've hunted indiana it it's a it's a whole different ballgame like there are a lot of people in other states generally are passing on year and a half year old deer to shoot you know yep. you know maybe 110 to 120 inch deer at least in my experience to ohio that's kind of where their their ball game was at and you'll there's a good chance you might see a 130 140 who knows i mean that would be phenomenal because if if that happens guess what i'm not coming home yeah. i will <laughs> hunt them until i feel like i can't kill them or i kill them yeah um it's gonna be that's literally my game plan going down there is like I'm going to hunt a deer down and kill him. I'm determined. I, I have a lot of determination going into it. Um, me and my dad have had conversations about it. And it's just like, look, we're not going to settle for this is a good area. Let's set up here. Like our morning sits are going to be observations. If we don't see anything that's worth a damn, we're moving on. And we're going to go on to the next pin that looks good. But I'm really hoping Friday eliminates a lot of that for us. And yep. we can get into the game and be in the money our first sit. Morning hunts are early, are, are really hard early. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, you're guessing. Sometimes they're just like... They do more harm than they do good sometimes. Right. Yeah, that's how when I went to Ohio and when I went to Kansas, it's... Man, I might... One thing to understand if you go out of state is the deer density in Michigan is exponentially better than most other states. We have like a it, it is deer. a lot better than other states. So you might go... And see one or two deer. And I can tell you right now, if you go to Ohio and you go to Kansas or, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't know where else, but if you're, if you're consistently seeing one or two deer, you're probably in a fairly decent area. Yep. Um, but if I go, you know, I generally take about seven to 10 days. Um, I know your schedule is a little bit different, but I'll take seven to 10 days. And if I don't see a deer or I don't see the type of deer i'm looking for i'm not gonna sit there i'm gonna oh no seven like, to ten no, days no way like there's there's no way like, there's times i go into a spot don't see a deer on the first sit and i'm like i ain't feeling this I'm i gone. when my buddy and myself killed a deer in kansas and we were there for 11 days and i bet you we moved to four to five different properties before we found the deer but look what it did for you oh yeah it, it was exactly it, it, we it's just ultimately when you have such a limited time you have to be a lot more aggressive and 
you have to be willing to give up an area. It might look good, but if they're if you're not seeing anything, it's probably not good. You know right. that or something's going on. So you need to go find. You need to move to find something. For sure. So. And, and you need to have realistic goals. You can't just go okay. You know, I went down there. I didn't shoot a buck. Well, did you see bucks? Did you get on bucks? Got my first kill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fly flew and smoked me right in the eyeball. Yeah. You've seen that camera? Yeah. I know you did. I mean, like you have to like have realistic goals, and I mean, if you're getting on top of deer on an unknown territory, that's a win, man. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's what me and my dad's both said. It's like if we get down there and we see some deer, and maybe even put eyes on a good one. Guess what? We did our job. Yeah. We did our job. Put him out of his misery. Yeah, well, he stood back up. I didn't want him to run off on you. <laughs> yeah. Not much of a blood trail there. <laughs> yeah. No. So, no, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not, well, we talked about this. My plans this year, I'm not doing any public land, at least out of state. Uh, we're taking Loser. a little bit, of the, little bit of the easier way out. We're going to an outfitter, but, you know. What outfit are you going to? Uh, Rustic Creek in Missouri. Okay. So... I'm excited for that. It's a new experience. Big but baller. It, yeah. Well. He's making that milk money. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but then again, you know, uh, a couple years now, I'll be going to Iowa, which will be all public land. Um, I'm sure I'll probably, I don't know, like, rapid, damn, that thing is tough. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, what kind of opened me up a little bit more to public land was rabbit hunting and turkey hunting this year. Um you know, I didn't have many places to rabbit hunt, so I took my dog out, and I don't know. I, it, it's I was, so much land to explore. Yeah, and... There's, like, no property it, lines yeah. unless you're hunting a property line. Right? So I might... I don't know. I say this every year. I, I did hit a public land spot up last year. It didn't go well, but mostly my fault. Um, what public was it? Oh, out in Langsburg, old Rose Lake. There. Oh, Bath. Yeah. yeah. There's some monsters in there. My buddy yeah. Derek shot a, like 143. There's so much pressure in there. I almost fought a mushroom hunter out there this year when I was turkey hunting. Jeez, <laughs> But, um, you know, so each year I think it piques my interest a little bit more. I think the more I talk to you, um, because you guys hunt in Michigan. A lot of the other people I know that hunt public land, it's it's different states and different mm-hmm. states is a it is a lot different. It is a, your expectations are different, right? So I mean your expectation going into Michigan this year is not to shoot a 130-inch deer, right? You see a 100 if I hunt public land in Michigan, I see a 100-inch deer, I I'm going to shoot it. So as much as I hate the two buck tag thing in Michigan, this year, I'm going to use it to my advantage, and if an 80-inch deer walks by me, I'm putting my first tag on it. And the second one, I can be picky. Yep. But if he's outside, at the outside of the ears, and he's a decent buck, I'm going to put a tag on him, and then I'm going to head back down to Ohio if I haven't filled that tag and know that I already got one buck down. Now I can focus on Ohio and try to kill one here and then come back home and use my second tag also. But I also drew for the federal hunt, or not the federal, but the state in Chiawassee, so there's a lot that, of good bucks out there that that's october 16th through october 31st so i'll be right on that pre-rut mm. oh yeah you'll get I, us I deer out there like with the relative ease first person to be honest about shooting a small not it's not a small it's a respectable deer right it, most it is a small like, deer. man i thought he was way bigger when i you know what i mean i thought he was like way bigger no no I, guess what an 80 inch i passed three 80 inch deer last year right between 80 and 100 and i went back and watched the video and i'm like that's a damn good deer why didn't i shoot that it's on michigan public land yeah it's so and that's kind of my point so like my expectation for public land in michigan i see a 100 inch deer a deer i think's a 100 inch deer i'm i'm smoking it that same deer on private land where i hunt i probably wouldn't but the expectations are different my expectations when i went to kansas was 130 inch deer which was a realistic, uh, you know, expectation based on, I guess, what I seen. I mean, I seen two hundred and forty inch deer in two sits. You know, my buddy missed by one hundred and forty, one hundred and fifty inch deer. Every person of the four that went down there seen a hundred and thirty plus inch deer. Right. In and Kansas, Kansas, right? Yep. Kansas seems so money to me because you literally can only hunt the draws. Oh yeah, it's, it's just tree lines. Uh, like getting a tree line, you're in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's it was. The hardest part was finding um, trees. 
right? Like right. You, you couldn't. Would you have a climber? No, I had a XOP. Oh, yeah. I, I, went, yeah. I bought an XOP because they don't have climber trees out. In that was they don't, <laughs> don't all, have. Was it all that cottonwood trees and stuff? It was. Yeah, they're all it like was this. ridiculous. <laughs> That's why I think saddles out like. And Saddle would be perfect out there. Money out would there. Be. Yeah, it definitely would be. <clears throat> I mean, you can get in any tree. I have a latitude coming, so. That's what I got. I got yeah. a latitude, man. You got the method, too. I do. I love the two panel. Yeah, I, that's what I got, too. It's awesome, man. Yeah, my grandpa has it, too. He says it helps him with his dude, back. I I'm brag like, about your grandpa all the time, Because <laughs> I get these people all the time asking me. I'm like, dude, I know this bad old. I don't want to call him old. <laughs> hey, his nickname is The Old Man. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he goes I'm by. I'm like, dude, this guy is a straight G, still hunting on a saddle. He's, what is he? Compound bow. How old is he? He's 75. Yeah, I, I always say 70. I say, I don't want to give him more than he is, but now he's 75. I'm like, dude, he's 70 years old in a saddle with a compound bow. And then he said he was embarrassed, not really embarrassed, but, you know, he was like, I had to step the bow down. I'm like, dude, <laughs> there's people like 40 who said, no, nah, I'm giving up. I'm going to a crossbow. You yeah, know I know. I mean? I'll tell like, you, if I'm still hunting at 75, dude, I don't know if I'm pulling a compound back life, or dude. using a, a saddle. So yeah. it's, it's so he has to have a heart surgery. Oh, He's going to miss the first week of the season this year. Wow. They got to do the thing through his leg yeah and, uh, yeah uh, uh, stent or was that yeah I'm he's just got like 60 percent blockage in one of his uh, valves but they're gonna hook him up and he's gonna crossbow hunt the first week but he's still gonna be out there just hunting. so we're clear it's september 21st and you're saying he's he's gonna crossbow hunt the, so he's not gonna miss any time he's having the surgery on the 28th and he's going to hunt the first day oh my god what <laughs> yeah your grandpa's a g dude. Yeah. yeah he's like he's like uh yeah i'll be hunting the crossbow you guys will just have to cock it <laughs> that's right. so awesome he's <laughs> like i'm gonna go about 50 yards off the road and set up because <laughs> he can't begin his heart rate right, right yeah so. yeah for sure oh, but, shit, big old buck walks by <laughs> i mean we've got good spots right off the road this yeah year, so why not yeah but yeah i'm i'm really excited for him this year he's He's put in a lot of summertime work. We've got, he's probably got 15 regular trail cameras that him and my dad have went and put their one stick up and put them up in the air and angled them on mock scrapes. And they pulled one the other day and they had like six or seven different shooter bucks yeah. in there at night. But, um, yeah, he, he thinks he knows where they are and he's going to move on them. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love that he's 75 and still mobile. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, I don't. Most guys, you know, they got this tree stand set up out there, and they go to their same tree stand every yeah. time and mosey their way back and forth. My grandpa's got yeah. a sticks in a saddle, and he's. I walk up on him one time, and he's tearing down with his lineman rope around the tree. I'm like, you are a gangster, <laughs> dude. Like, look at you go. Like, yeah. He only hunts 13 or 14 feet, but that's all he needs. Did you get the rope ascender or the... To be completely the, honest, the, I don't even know. Kevin's sending me a packet. That's awesome. Yeah. Kevin's an awesome guy. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Definitely like that. I don't have a Kong. I have a... It's Ropeman? No, it's no. a pretzel. Pret oh, yeah. It's a climbing gear. Yeah. And uh, it's the rope ascender, but dude, they are money, dude. They're I'm completely clueless on how the saddle dude, works. I don't even know how to hook it up. Dude, they're pretty... Dude, they're pretty dummy proof almost really like you look and at to it me and i look at it i'm like there's 900 ropes going dude. there's one coming off this way that way no nah, it's like, like a like a cinch to tighten them you got the, like the leg straps and then you have your your bridge you got your uh lineman like i hook my lineman go up unhook you know, i hook all my tether up and then your bridge so well, do you saddle hunt on private a lot yeah i yeah. do all strictly i i haven't ventured to public uh, well, I hunt public up No, north. no, I'm saying your hunting method on private land is out of a saddle, or do you hunt yeah. out of a stand? I I only hunted out of a stand like maybe four or five times last year. It was all out of saddle. Nice. I was setting up, and sometimes I did leave my my sticks and my platform up there and just took my saddle home. Sure. If I knew I was going to hunt that Same in like thing. three or four days, right. I was like, I'm just going to... Yeah, why not? I would too. If I knew that tree was <laughs> money, so right. that's why I just... I kept it. Dude, they, I actually bought the Lone Wolf. You see, I had the Lone Wolf Custom 1.0, the sticks and all that. And I said, man, everybody's talking about the saddle. I bought the saddle. I said, I'm going to try the saddle first, and I'm going to see about the stand. Set the saddle one time, posted it 
1.0 for sale <laughs> and sold it before. I didn't even use it. Dang. I was like, nope, I'll never. That's, that's I, crazy. I was like, nope. My thing is a shooting out of them. Dude. It's, yeah, because you're facing the tree. Yeah, now. it's yeah. the offside shot that bothers me. Like, I could shoot this one all day. Excuse me, but it's, it's this, this shot. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, you can walk around your sticks and turn yourself and shoot, but I still so feel like you're going to have, like. I guess I, I, I'm not sure, but. Uh, my buddy says you can just you just move on the tree. Yeah, if you have a, a ring of steps. Yeah, ring of steps. Right. Okay. The X wing from Latitude is pretty cool, dude. That thing's legit. I stood on it at the expo. Dad, did you? Yeah, that's um, sweet. It's really nice. It wasn't as solid as I would have thought, though. Really? Um, the wings kind of yeah I had know. flex in them. Uh, yeah, it was like you could feel the platform wanted to move a little bit, but granted, it was on them slick little like tree. telephone pole. Yeah. The, yeah. The things they're not real trees. Yeah, that the that doesn't have give because it's it's right. Uh, but the teeth weren't as aggressive as I would have thought. Oh. But I think they're fixing it. I think it was talked about and they're fixing okay. it. But um, I'm I'm waiting for their sticks to come out. I've heard really good things about their sticks. So yeah, I, w I can't wait to see them. Yeah, see what I don't think anybody's seen them. But yeah, I, I don't think so either. I ain't yeah. seen no sneak peeks or anything. No, I think they're really strict. So we got 10 minutes left um, ish. This is the exciting part for you, right? Because you get to uh, talk about your new broadhead. Now, you guys designed it. I mean, I did. You've done everything with it. Um, so we'll just talk about it. I won't, I won't try to start from the, the basically the conception of this ideal. It happened in my sleep. Literally. Okay. I'm not even kidding you. I had a dream. I shot a big buck. Maybe this would be deja vu, and that'd be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this is deja vu. This is weird that this happened in my sleep already. So um, I shot a really nice buck. I don't remember where it was or what the thing was even like, but I shot it, and I remember pulling my arrow out of the dirt, and I looked at this broadhead, and I was like, it's in perfect condition. And I shot into like a creek bottom with rocks. So I like pulled out of this muddy, rocky bottom, and I remember visually looking at it. And this guy's like a cat this with is... nine lives. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nerves. Over here massacring this fly in Joe's basement. <laughs> but no, so I pulled it out, and it was like when I woke up, the only thing that I could vision was what was that broadhead? What was that broadhead? What was that broadhead? And I'm like, wait a second, that wasn't a broadhead. So I'm like googling like broadheads with solid bleeders built in no o-ring or solid one piece bleeder broadhead or i'm like i'm googling everything nothing's coming up everything i'm seeing is with the set screw everything's got a set screw or on the back a washer holding in the blades and you screw it in your arrow and pinch it and i'm like no kidding so then it dawned on me that i like dreamt it and i was like well all right so i start sketching it out on paper and my buddy jason zimmer I posted on Facebook, I'm sure you guys remember, I was like, who can do CAD drawings? Oh, yeah. And my buddy Jason messaged me, play softball with me. He's like, I can do it. And I was like, for real? And I sent him like a couple ideas of some broadheads that were in similarities just to give him some ideas. And then I picked them apart and wrote like paragraphs about each detail. And he sent it back to me. And it took us about seven or eight revisions to get it to where I wanted it. And now there's one more change that's happening. Like there's a bunch of different angles on it right now and it's actually just going to go triangular rather than like looking like a shield kind of okay um it's going to be triangular but with the same concept um so it's going to be solid one piece tool steel bleeders built in everybody keeps asking me my main question that i get is how are we going to sharpen the bleeders how are we going to sharpen the bleeders it's impossible to sharpen the bleeders you can't get a file on there you can't so have you guys I know you guys have the knife sharpeners that look like a fish. Yeah. And you yeah. put your fingers on it and it's got the carbide blade. Yeah. You can literally put your blade in there and strike it. Oh, yeah. Carbide blade with the bleeder and it'll sharpen the bleeder. Wow. It's really simple. And everybody thinks it's going to be the hardest thing in the world to sharpen. I'm like, no, literally, you'll be able to sharpen the main blade and the bleeders through that. Right. And um, I don't, it's, so it's going to be an inch and a quarter cut on the main blade it's gonna be about an inch and a half roughly on the total cut with the fourth they call it a four blade the manufacturer does but it's technically a two blade with bleeders um tool steel solid 
built-in bleeders like the bleeders are all cut from the same piece of steel there's no parts and pieces it's all one head um and it's tough as nails it's tough as nails i got a prototype and shot it and it flies damn good for what it is um i hit about an inch and a half right of where i would with my field tip so it's that's damn good for a fixed blade broadhead that is no no vents or anything you know um i can move my sight three clicks to the right and i was hitting dead nuts so um and i shot it into a brick and i was blown away that it literally just blew a chunk of concrete off and barely barely did anything to the blade finish on the tip so the the thing is, is if you look at the design of it those bleeders go way far up to the front and what that does is it strengthens the tip for lateral lateral torque so the structural integrity that's all a part of the design with those bleeders going way up towards the tip of the blade it's for support just like a truss system so are these going to be available this deer season or i'm not going to promise that yeah. I, it's all on their timing it, yeah. that's the terrible thing about it is everything's on their time on their time on their time so uh, and i think you and how i know you are like you want to make sure this it's product legit. yeah it's <laughs> not just a gimmick it's just not okay now i sell out a hundred thousand or whatever and then i just go okay now i sold my product now i'm done you no know yeah I mean? so no. no um obviously i started publicly in prowlers as a dream to be something in the hunting industry one day and then i've realized since that this is more my passion rather than it is in a, making a living um i just like filming my hunts i love videography i love photography and i love the story part of it and being able to for people to go back and watch what I'm trying to explain to them. Like, dude, just watch this hunt. This, this is how it happened. I'm not, I don't have to sit here and tell you about it. Right. And <laughs> the havoc thing is I've realized that if I want to make a living doing what I love, then I need to have a product to sell. And to be honest, I've shot so many different broadheads and tested so many different broadheads that I finally was like, this is something I've never seen. I've never seen a one-piece broadhead with bleeders built in, ever. I've not seen it. Um, there is one now that this guy from the American Broadhead Collectors Association or something that from 1878, when they were back making those broadheads, one guy did show me one broadhead that was steel. It wasn't tool steel, but it had all one piece with bleeders built in, but it's never been replicated again. So and it's super, super old. It's not tool steel. The bleeders are much smaller. It's different design and you said double bevel right it is the first so the first one will be it'll all be double bevel everything both bleeders and both main blades will be double bevel but i'm going to offer left and right bevel eventually and we're actually going to release a mechanical okay so a lot of things in the works but. so is there certain sizes that are you just going to run some the first one's going to be 150 grains just one okay 150 just because there's a lot of guys that shoot 200 grain, and there's a lot of guys that shoot 125. It's kind of the middle happy ground. medium for the prototype. Um, I think if you want more weight, you can build uh, up insert uh, weight. Yeah, build up insert weight, and then I think if you if you want less, you can just go with a, a lesser. A less less of a component. Yeah, you know? take some to go from a stainless post to an aluminum post with a stainless sleeve or right. It's just you know, like a 35 grain. Yeah, it's not much and. Um, I'll probably eventually offer them in a hundred grains just because of <clears throat> Daryl Sutliff who likes shooting little Twizzlers. <laughs> I just shoot a hundred grain. <laughs> he, so do I right now, but, um, I've learned in the arrow building, you know, all the custom arrow builds that we've done that a lot of people prefer a heavier broadhead with less component, right? Right now I have a ton of component and less broadhead. I have a hundred grain broadhead, but well, yeah, um, I have a hundred grain broadhead and then an extra 50 grains added to the front of the arrow right so it's essentially so you're like 50 grain arrow <laughs> right exactly that's what, <laughs> but the, here's the catch is this is what i've learned so your 100 grain broadhead is thinner in material your 125 grain has a little bit more grain yep. forgiveness for thickness and it only goes up for there so the higher you go in grain the stronger the broadhead is because right. it's thicker so do you have a current price point that you're going to be selling these to start at or are we yeah so if you look at Tough Head, if you look at Iron Will, if you look at your 
premium tool steel broadheads. They're all in that 110 to 140 dollar range for three. Ours is gonna land right in the middle somewhere. Okay. To 120, 130, 140, somewhere right in that for three. It'll be a buy once, cry once kind of thing. Um, if you break it and it's a legit break and you can give me a legit story and not come to me and lie to me about how you broke a broadhead, I'll replace it. Damn. So. So. I am don't know the difference between regular steel and tool steel. So is it just the... Oh, um, tool steel is extremely harder, a lot harder. It's way better when it's heat treated. Um, it So basically, they, you know what heat treating is. Yeah. Right? So yeah. they literally, they heat treat them to like, ours are going to be 52 Rockwell hardness. So they're extremely hard. Um, the difference between regular steel and tool steel is simply the strength okay um tool steel significantly harder than regular steel like stainless steel right um so you tool steel is like what your sockets are made out of for working on cars right like you can whip those things against the ground and they don't even do anything like you know like the black maco sockets yeah that's tool steel okay they're black that's uh, most of your tool steels are like black okay are um, yours gonna be black? They're not. They're not. No. They're. Um, can I spray paint them black? Will that void the warranty? <laughs> you can do whatever you want to. Them. <laughs> um, they're gonna have a different color. They won't be chrome either. Okay. Um, but so, will there be a back? Is there? Is that called? A, a, would it be a bushing in between your? There's or? nothing. It's the broadhead and threads. Okay. It's literally all built out of one piece. If you look at the picture on Facebook, you can see where the bleeders come back towards the where the threads would be right. and you can actually see the round like i don't know what you want to call it it's technically the ferrule right but it's where it meets the threads you can right. see where it's beefed up right there and it acts as a washer but it's not it's just built in right so you will you have a prototype specifically for you to try this year or i'll be shooting yeah. one come october 1st all right yeah i i mean i should be 100 percent yeah, if not, then the first week, 100%. Yeah. But uh, I won't have one in Ohio. I'll be shooting a VPA three-blade solid. So I would say expectation. Well, my arrow is 615 grains. I just wow. weighed it. <laughs> Mine's only like 440, 430. But check this out. I shot it through the chronograph out of that Expedition Smoke the other day. I'm shooting 292 feet per second with a 600-grain arrow. I just cook it. That's a Mack truck, dude. It is. It's a 29-inch draw, 73 pounds. Jesus, it's freaking. Can you turn it up more uh, for poundage? And no, smoke I'm up? maxed out. It's just the gas strings give you a couple extra pounds because right. they're so tightly weaved. Right. But yeah, that's screaming. That's, that's I would not want to be hit by it. No. <laughs> um. So I guess the expectation is by next season you'll have full production ready to to sell and, and yep. be marketed. Yeah. Right. But. Hopeful thinking as the creator of this and as itchy as I am to get it out, I'm hoping to have it out and available to people by like middle of October. But I don't think that that's going to happen with them. I think that the machining, it took, you guys wouldn't understand. It took, I got told no, probably seven to 10 manufacturers that were like, we can't make it. It's too much of a design. There's too much cutting. There's, it's going to be way too expensive. You'll never be able to do this. There's a reason nobody's done it because it's too expensive. I was told no, 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 no. And then finally I found somebody with a 3D CNC machine so it can cut 360 degrees right, yeah. at the same time. It don't have to be stopped and turned. And then, right. So um, I found the only company that has one in the state of Michigan after calling all these places and getting referrals. And then this guy would tell me, hey, you need to find a guy with this machine. Then that guy who had that machine's like, no, you need somebody with this machine. And then so on and so forth. And finally I found them and... I'm really, really excited about the whole Havoc thing. Um, there's a lot of news coming with that also. There's going to be more products added to the whole Havoc brand. So, like I said, different broadheads and different hunting products. Well, yeah, I would say we're all – I'm excited to see it. I know you've just – a couple of weeks ago you posted some uh, 3D drawings of it. I might be wrong. It might have been a little bit longer than that. No, uh, last like, week I put a video out also. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, so – And the feedback was out of this world. It's a good-looking broadhead design. Um, I appreciate that. I know I 
am currently shooting. I'm moving more towards a fixed blade. So um, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see how your season goes. I'm more excited to see you put it through a deer, see kind of the results there. And then, yeah, hopefully you you get some out. And then, uh, yeah, you know, we give her a try and see how it goes. Yeah, I'll definitely um, get you guys some to try. If you can man up and shoot 150 grainer. Well, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm about to cut off six inches of my arrow. <laughs> uh, I have to find 150 grain field points just to make sure that I can. Uh, Amazon. Yep. You know, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. About free 99. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's 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 awesome. We're excited for you. Um, I appreciate that. I really yeah. hope that uh, I hope it works out. I'm sure it will. I mean. You put a lot of work into everything you do, whether it was public land prowlers or really anything I've seen you do so far. So, you know, keep it up and, you know, good luck in Ohio. And Yeah, man, hopefully I can bring one over and do a hunt recap podcast. Yeah, there you go. Sure. That would be ideal. For yeah. sure. We're going to do our rut report this year again. Okay. Remember last yeah, year? Yeah, let's do that. My dad and my grandpa both said that they're willing to come on and do a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, podcast because I told them that, you know, I think these will be better because – you get to tap into each person. Right. right. Yeah. I think that. So, yeah, for sure. My dad, no, like, yeah. my dad's definitely employing um, new tactics yeah. this year as well. Just at evolving. We're learning as right. we go. Every year is going to be, hey, we're doing this this year. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we appreciate the fact that you guys take your time out of the day to come, you know, spend an hour with us, you know, so. You know, Nothing good luck. I'd rather do yeah. talk deer. Man. <laughs> You're right. right. <laughs> you know, so good luck this season. You too. Um, Good luck with the broadhead. Like I said, we're all excited to see it. Um, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic out of this world. Um, I can't wait to see you put put it through a deer. Um, and other than that, man, I guess uh, we got about a week to hear what your experience in Ohio was. Yeah, I'm only going down for two days, so we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe well, a third day if I can talk my dad into it. But it looks like Sunday and Monday might rain. So might only get one day of hunting. In. Damn. Yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate you guys having me, yeah. and uh, good luck to you guys both this season. Awesome. I know I'm, I'm excited for you guys as well. And Thank you. When this havoc is out, I will uh, definitely get you guys some. We're excited, so yeah. Until uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks when you tell us about Ohio but, or the Rub Report. Until we talk to you again or talk to your dad or your your pops, you know, we'll uh, have a good one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You All guys right. have a good season. Good luck to everybody that's listening. Go get them. Good luck.